As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning into Dose of Leadership. Man, I've been having a string of just outstanding conversations on the show, and today definitely does not disappoint with Bob Glazer on the show. He's the founder and CEO of a global marketing agency called Acceleration Partners. He's the co- also the co-founder and chairman of Brand Cycle. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's got a passion for helping individuals and organizations build their capacity to elevate. Under his leadership, his company, Acceleration Partners, has become a recognized global leader in affiliate and partner marketing industry, receiving numerous industry and company culture awards. And I would love to work with Bob. I think he, he would be a great leader, a great CEO to work for. He's been recognized by Inc. Magazine as the best place to work, Glassdoor's Employee Choice Awards two years in a row, Fortune's Best Small and Medium Workplaces three years in a row, Boston Globe's Top Workplaces to go to, to Work. And I can see why, because this conversation was a lot about culture. We, we began talking about the recent election, our frustrations with the kind of lack of leadership we see in politics, and we talk about COVID. But really what this conversation, my big takeaway was things and themes that are consistently we've talked about on this show. It validates the importance of authenticity, the importance of the levels of leadership, the kind of cutting your teeth at early early levels of leadership, all the leadership challenges we all go through in the early stages of leadership. And as we continue to go through these levels of leadership, hopefully reaching level five leadership as we get near the end of our, our careers and our lives. Um, being true to your style, being true to who you are, not trying to pretend to be something that you're not, you know, str- trust, uh, empowering empathy, the differencing be- differences between values and issues, in other words, principles versus rules. It was just such a fun conversation. You're really going to enjoy Bob. I know I did. He shares his ideas and insights via uh, Friday Forward, a popular weekly inspirational newsletter. That's how I came across him. It reaches over 100,000 individuals and business leaders all across 50-plus countries. He's also the host of the Elevate Podcast, a great podcast I suggest you subscribe to, where he sits down with leaders, much like Dose of Leadership, thinkers, authors, to discuss personal growth and helping others live the best lives possible. It's just a fun, natural, authentic conversation. This was what a conversation, if I was out, I was dinner with Bob, 
or having drinks with them, this is what that conversation would be like. It was just that much, that authentic, that natural, and that value packed. You're really going to enjoy it. This show is brought to you by my sponsor, Equity Bank. It's been great having Equity Bank sponsor well over 50 episodes now over the past two years. They're a team that knows what it takes to start and grow a business. It's been so fun and exciting to watch them grow into one of the fastest growing banks in the Midwest. They are now listed on the NASDAQ exchange. They got locations all across Kansas, as well as Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas. Clearly, this team at Equity Bank knows how to lead for growth. So if it feels like your current bank is more of a follower than a leader and you want to work with a bank that really understands your needs, go check out Equity Bank. Go to equitybank.com to learn more. Thanks so much for listening. Subscribe, rate, or review if you haven't done so already. Tell somebody about this show. Word of mouth does wonders for keeping me in the top 25 rankings on Apple Podcast Business Management category, as well as on Spotify and Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast application is. Subscribe, rate, review. It does wonders keeping me front and center. Again, thanks for being a supporter of the show. Now let's get on with this conversation with Bob Glazer here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Bob, man, I'm so excited that you're here. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Thanks, Richard. I'm glad uh, glad we made it work. Yeah, me too. Crazy times. Election's over. Yeah. COVID's ramping <laughs> thank, up. Thank, thank God. <laughs> yeah, thank God. <laughs> How, yeah. Everyone believes that, I think. <laughs> I think so, yeah. too. I think there's, um, I don't know, for me, I think, and obviously I, I lean more libertarian and conservative, and I, I'm not a fan of either one of them. I wasn't, but I, I don't know. I think it's kind of a best case scenario almost where you, if you've got a Republican Senate and you got Biden in there and now people are going to have to work for it, right? So I'm, yeah. I'm kind of happy for an inert administration. Mark, Mark, Mark actually forces people to have to compromise versus mm-hmm. this sort of approach of like, oh, it swung our way, time to punish and, you know, you know, get reprimands for <laughs> right. everything that happened before. It's like no one knows who started it. We're going to do this because you did that. We're, right. I, I mean, there's got to be some things that everyone can can agree on. And and yeah, I agree. I hope I hope that uh, however it works out that people will just start to come together a little bit. I mean, someone was telling me that like Ronald Reagan won 49 states was reminding me of that. And I was like, I, that one I, I, that will never happen in my lifetime again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 49 states. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, you know, I, it, it is f- funny how, well, it's not funny, but I mean, we've all talked about ad nauseum how, how de- divisive everything is. But I think as, you know, particularly when we're talking about leadership, you know, the, the obligations that we have, you know, we were talking pre-recording that I encourage because I got a pretty diverse mastermind group with all political spectrums. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me when I look back at my parents, they had this circle of friends and almost all of them have passed away. But they were all newly married in the late 50s, early 60s. I mean, you had, you know, JFK Democrats, you had Rich and Nixon Republicans, you had Catholics, you had Protestants, you had uh, Jews, and they all, there's like 12 of them, six couples. And they did life together, was my point. <clears throat> they always played bridge, you know, when cards were a thing. Yeah. And they would get together once a month. They, but they did life together. And they would argue about politics in kind of a ribbing sort of way. But they loved each other. And that's what seems to be missing in all of this, right? I don't know how we can get back to that kind of ideal, like where my parents and their friends, where they didn't talk. You know, politics didn't rule their lives, and it seems like politics rules everything these days. Right. I mean, funny, in that case, politics was probably not the threat, right? It was, oh, these are good, decent, hardworking people who mm-hmm. share our values. And, and, and you know, we're, we're, I just think we're moving from – look, leadership is a very values-based thing, and right. we're moving from – 
you know, values to sort of just hard lines that can't, can't be crossed. Um, and, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, 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 to me, it's just, we're, we're just ruining a objectivity and it's insulting people's intelligence. It's like black isn't black, white isn't white. I don't mean in the racial sense. I just mean like, yeah. we all used to agree, like that's a circle, that's a square. That's <laughs> right. a square. <laughs> and now like these things are just, you know, it's a, it, if, 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 if one side's looking at it, it's not a square. And if the other side's looking at it, it's a circle. And I, I, to me, like critical thinking is like a really important skill and, and, and it's just, it's degrading or it's, I don't know where it's going. Yeah, critical thinking certainly has suffered, and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I think back, if you know, looking back to when my parents were newly married, and like I said, in that kind of JFK era. Yeah, I mean, the, you you mentioned values and principles, and I think that's what's missing there. Is we had a shared value, you know, even if you were a Democrat or Republican or red or blue or whatever. There was a hierarchical. There are, the right. values now sit below the they party. They sit below it. That's right. right. That 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 is that is that's what's worrisome to, to me. And and look, I look at Massachusetts, right? So we were one of those one the state that didn't vote for Ronald Reagan, right? Where I live, P- pretty blue, right? We have a Republican governor right now with a eighty five percent approval rating. Like he's done a really good job on COVID. He's been out in front. Like pe- people are judging him on his on his merits and, and, and what he's done. And I think if, you know, if, if we were in the, you know, we, you know, we got hurt early on, but pretty, dif- in, you know, he's a conservative, but he also worked in the health industry. So I yeah. think he had, you know, interesting balance. Like if we were one of the worst States in the country, I think people would be more upset. Right. And, and mm-hmm. again, that to me is a rightful leadership issue, not, a, not a political issue. And this notion of how leadership and politics have gotten, totally intertwined is, is, is fascinating to me. Right. I, I, I it, it's, it's interesting. Well, I, I wonder if we're even, can, can we even get back to where, and maybe that person's going to come forth, but the, the problem yeah. is, you know, you look at someone like Trump and you, <clears throat> you look at, at as much support as he had. I mean, look at the rallies that he was producing. I mean, not, not in our lifetime. No one has, it's just insane. Yeah. It's like this level of celebrity, but, if you look at him as a leader from terms of everything that I talk about here on the show, I mean, he misses the mark on all of them. Right. And so yeah, that's, what's, that's, what's interesting. Right. I think the people who might like him or like his policies aren't willing to look at the lists on leadership and say, well, these don't check. I, I, people are just not ideological, honest with themselves, ideologically honest. And it's fine if they want to say, look, you know what? I don't care. These are, bad leader or doesn't have any of these characteristics right i mean in, care about integrity it. right they're like i like this policy like to me that's honest <laughs> but right. what we don't have is is honest right which in terms of saying no he's done a great job because as you say look if i if you listed the things and you'd say you know integrity welcoming of of criticism you know not taking credit giving credit to others like look <laughs> right. again Anyone who's a rational person, other side, if you want to, if you want to say that he does all those things, then you're beyond probably this discussion, you know. But 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 any rational person would say that that, that those are not things that he does, like on a regular basis. Well, right? maybe I'm the fool for for wanting an ideal, you know, thinking that the leader of the free world would have basic leadership qualities. But if I guess if you look at all the presidents in the past, I mean, they were all fairly. Flawed, but I mean, I. Yeah. But even well, I mean, integrity I, I, hasn't been super high on the list well, of right of past presidents. Right. <laughs> I, I, 
you know, even the, the you know, Clinton's whole thing. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, un, it's unfortunate. I, what's also interesting to me, like really interesting, and this, this is where you can cross it over, is, you know, the definition of a leader in business these days is so moving away from command and control. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Companies, sure. even the military, like, you yeah. know, you are a servant mm-hmm. leader. You know, it, it, it is, there is transparent information. There's mm-hmm. all this stuff like that. The, the, the sort of command and control leadership is, is, is dying very quickly yeah. in, in, in the business world of companies that are, are doing really well. People just don't have to work for your company. There's more liquidity in the job market. They go mm-hmm. elsewhere. Like they're not, their pension's not tied there. So even the military is, is, you know, you've got a, uh, McChrystal saying, you know, if the order, if you get there and it's not the order I told you, then execute the order I should have given you, right? right. One of the top military leaders. Yeah. But but politics around the world seem to be going the other way. They seem to be dusting mm-hmm. off the, or not politics, but leadership, the command and control to my way or the highway. It's really diametrically uh, opposed. You you If you're an authoritative command and control leader in the business world these days, no, you're your a company dinosaur. is not. Doing yeah. very well. <laughs> yeah, you're a dinosaur. If you're, if yeah. you're absolutely right, and that's something I've talked about on the show a lot. And, and of course, that's what I—that's the big lesson I learned from the Marine Corps, where I think outside perceptions think it is command and control, and it was the most decentralized organization I ever worked in, where it was. Well, it has become a lot more, I think, in the last. Oh, for sure. 10, 10 years, right? Yeah, and you but look, it was you know, 20, 30 years ago. You you didn't disobey an order even if it was the wrong order. So that I, that has changed a little bit, right? Oh, for sure. But I mean, and even looking, and I look at the aviation community where, yeah. you know, even up until the early seventies, it was like the captain's always rights, the captain's authorities over. Yeah, everything. this was Malcolm Gladwell's thing, fat, right? The fascinating research he did around pain clashes were all they were all in cultures of low power density index where. That co-pilot's supposed to act on a check. They're supposed to have the right mm-hmm. to speak up and say something. And if they're afraid to, then it goes bad quickly. Yeah. I mean, there's there's tons of accidents and mishaps where yeah. captain's authority let it let it into the ground. Where and now it's the it, those are the dinosaurs, right? You stand like a yeah. sore thumb. If you fly with someone that with a command and control authority, I mean he's like, This is a bad pilot. I don't want to fly with it. And now it's like it's it's not your right to challenge, it's your obligation, uh, right? And yeah, I, I look I just listened to this Doctor Death podcast. I don't know if you've you've uh-huh. heard about this, but no. this it's a big podcast now. This guy who this doctor who sort of killed and maimed about thirty people and it just was he was a disaster. He was a neurosurgeon who basically didn't know how to operate. But but no one stopped him. Like, right. like yeah. you know, the fear, like the culture of, and you've, you've seen these case studies in hospitals and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Where the nurse feels like they can't speak up or they can't say yeah. anything, or no, like they're, they're all, you know, you have all these problems, and these hospitals have gone through extensive retraining to make sure that, you know, and and, and they have the second season. It's ter- I mean, it's terrible. It's about a guy who just put everyone on chemo, like famous cancer doctor, and turned out he just was doing it for the money. But when anyone questioned him, <laughs> he patient just, or otherwise, he, he just up. he just belittled them. He said, did you go to medical school? You know, he just, yeah. just anywhere in your life where you get around a leader like that, you should run. Yeah, far away. <laughs> pretty pretty yeah. quickly, yeah. I've told this story before years ago on this show, but I, my daughter had, one of my daughters had, scoliosis pretty pretty severe and so major back surgery when she was 13 or 14 and i remember in the prep when we were in this room and there was four other families in there and you know and you're kind of separating there and they're they're prepping your kid you know to go in and um all the nurses the anesthesiologists talking and everything and then the doctor came in right and he's old school 70 best 
back doctor in this region, right? Yeah. And this is the guy you want to do it. And he came in there with this command presence and authority where you could just see everybody shrink back, like, you know, don't piss him off. And like he was, yeah. and he was kind of, what is this? And what is this crap? And this, and he was just like this really weird presence. And there was another dad that was next to me after he left. He's like, man, I, I bet you you're glad. I said, I'm so glad he's, hmm. he's operating on our kids. I mean, that's the type of guy you want. And I'm like, I don't know, man, I'm more afraid because now so you've got, I, right. you know, He's about no one's to, gonna stop him, right? right? He's gonna and about then, to snip my daughter's spinal cord. I want someone to be able to. I want the most junior peon in that room to be able to speak up and say stop, right? You right. Know? You want someone who's confident, but not disrespectful, no, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, where someone says, "Look, I appreciate your concern, but uh, you know, whatever." But you know, if, if that person feels the need to denigrate the other person or belittle them, mm-hmm. right, that is that is is and has never been a quality of a, <laughs> no. of a leader. No. Yeah. Well, you've seen, I mean, with the businesses that, that you, you've run, I mean, well, I mean, how would you classify your leadership style? Are you, are you that way? Are you a decentralized kind of? Yeah, we're pretty, really, pretty decentralized. Um, I mean, my style is just, I, I, I try to use the word authentic. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like integrity. Not that I don't believe in integrity, but I think people have different cultural definitions of integrity. Like we're even a global company and what someone might think is integral in one way or other. So right. for me, like, integrity or authenticity comes from that Gandhi principle of like what you think, say, and do are in alignment. Right. And, yeah. and so that, that for me is important. Like is what I'm, is what I'm thinking is what I believe, what I'm saying, what our actions are. It doesn't mean that everyone likes it. Right. It right. doesn't mean that everyone believes that that's the culture or person they want to work for. Like I would say to someone I have, like, here's why you would absolutely love working for me. And here's why you'll hate it. And they're kind of the same reason. So <laughs> why, don't, why don't I just let, let you know, because it's not, To me, companies are like colleges, like, you know, there's the large, you know, state school or, you know, the large state school or the small city school, like they have different value propositions for different people. They should appeal to different people. I think there there are things about good leaders and organizations that 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 we like hold constant. But a lot of it is more like, you know, what's your style? What are your values that align with it? Like I have a friend who leads a company and they're like, a bunch of practical jokers and like, like, well, I appreciate that. And like they're orange suits and like, it's not my, that's not me. Right. I'd be inauthentic if I was to join his, they treat people well, they're a good culture, mm-hmm. but like, I, I'm not a dress up person. Like that's yeah. not, that's not me. I love that you said that. I like. I agree with you too. I, I think the, I've said this on the show many times that the currencies that are so vacant and so needed. And I think are required if you're going to have a, a great organization yeah. or be great leader, authenticity and transparency and, and some courageous vulnerability, I think. And that authentic, I like that authentic piece. And I think a lot of times, even it's interesting you said that about the integrity piece, because I think sometimes if people try to uphold to that, always doing the right thing, even when no one's looking kind of ideal, it kind of leads people to be inauthentic. Right. Does that make sense? I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 yeah. Or like, look, I knew someone who had a, uh, someone who, you know, had a, parent who was an ethics professor and then another parent who was not integral right and so like th- their own version of integrity was right. was warped <laughs> um because so, because you learn you're like oh that i hear the word integrity a lot but i see that behavior right and and, and mm-hmm. so so to me it's like it's just the sunday paper test mm-hmm. it's like uh, like let's say i was a look there let me give you two examples so there's a company a right and this is this is richard's company and it's it's 
a family business and it's been around forever and they really are well known in the community and they've been growing like 5% a year. They're not super innovative, but they, they just really value tenure and loyalty and like, you know, people that stay and just being reliable. Right. And, and, and it's slow growth and, and that's what they value. Well, then that's going to appeal to group A. Now, let's say it's my company. Let's say I was a former college athlete and, and my company is based on, we're going 50% a year. We're in a high-tech industry. It's 80% of the bonus goes to 20% of the people. Like we're about competing. And like, if you don't measure the mark, you're out. Like that will appear, I'd be better saying like that to everyone and mm-hmm. finding the lots of people who would want that environment than to saying, oh, we value teamwork and integrity. <laughs> and the, and, and the, the truth is the number one person at your company and the number one person at my company would hate each other's companies. Right. right? It, it, they right. just signed up for a different thing. And so that's what I say to a lot of leaders. I think they're just trying to be everything to everyone. And they're yeah. not willing to say like, this is what we aren't here. Like if you're like, for instance, we've been remote for 10 years and, and, you know, we have very clear core values of own it, embrace relationships and excel and improve They're They're in our award structure they're in our hiring, they're ingrained in everything. So own it and and embrace relationships are, you know, you're willing to make decisions independently. We've been remote for 10 plus years, but you believe you're better as part of a team. So people who want to, you know, need constant group decision making, like won't do well in our environment. Conversely, people who have that independence, but just want to be the lone ranger and don't care that they're part of a team won't do well in our environment. They're not bad people. They're just I was like, we're like a passing offense and they're a running back. Like, it's just, right. it's not the right fit for what we're looking for. And I, I, the one thing I've just gotten better at over the years is, is to ignore some feedback. You know, if I heard, heard Keller say like, you know, if Southwest took all that feedback about the things that they should change, they would have destroyed <laughs> their, their unique brain. competitive advantage. Right. right. Oh, get rid of the plastic tickets and this. And then that, like they had a value proposition that appealed very strongly to one group of customers and not at all to another. If you just, you know, if you just like diversify that so that it, it doesn't mean anything to everyone and you respond to everything, I, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Well, it speaks to, and you talk about this in your book, Elevate at the beginning. It's like, you gotta, you, you have to be, you have to have some clarity around self-awareness, self-awareness <laughs> yeah. of what, what you stand for. Right. Right. And it takes a lot of work. I mean, and to your point, I mean, I even think back to when I first joined the Marine Corps about this being authentic and understanding. It's like, I felt like early on, I had to fit this caricature of what I thought a Marine Corps officer should be. Right. And I was trying to be something that I wasn't. And that's, it's, it's very ineffective and very we, painful. We, we just did our, we do a two day advanced leadership training for new leaders in our companies. And I, I talk about my own leadership journey. And I say, look, when you start managing and leading, it feels like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. You know, you, you, you see Richard do this, you see Sally do this, yeah. you take a bunch of things and you try them on mm-hmm. and you start to feel like this is not me and this is me. Right. But I, but I, I think you need to go through those. Reps. I think you're right. I think you're right. you go through those reps and you're like, mm-hmm. and, and, and most people actually, they don't know how to articulate their core values, which is why we have people in our leadership training go through a program to actually understand them so they can say, here are my core values. Mm-hmm. But they, they kind of, they know when they're in the danger zone or they know where they're getting outside them because you, because you feel it. So, so I, I mean, to me, that's like critically important because I, so I think the phase one, you know, this whole level five leadership, you you know, you're a team player, then you're a good contributor, then you become a new manager. I think this is when you're in the trying on sweaters uh-huh. phase. And then to become a level four and level five leader, you need to look in a mirror really hard yeah. and, and, and come back and say like, 
you need to go to your team, which we encourage people to do have this. Here are my core values. Here are the things that are important to me. Here are my red lines. Here, you know, and and and, and that's the only way you can lead authentically. I think you're right. It's like you got to go through those steps. You got to try on those sweaters and those coats and <clears throat> see what fits and what doesn't feel right. We we don't give people the training until uh-uh. a year or two in when they have the reps because I I don't think that they would understand the philosophy without. Yeah. It's like kind of like explaining how to drive a car <laughs> versus like going in driver's ed and then teaching an advanced yeah. driver's course. Like it, it doesn't help to teach the advanced driver's course before you've had the feeling of your foot on the pedal or the gas. And it's almost like you, at some point you're right in the journey. You got to have almost, I don't know if it's as drastic as this, but like a dark night of the soul at some point. It's like, okay, who am I? Who am I really? And what do I really stand for? I, I think every, I think. I think there's people that are avoiding that moment. All, all the amazing leaders I've seen have sort of embraced that moment. Yeah, because I agree. They're like, look, whatever I'm doing doesn't feel, you know, I, I remember, I remember my sort of moment. So uh, early in the company, we had gone to a, a trade show and uh, a couple of younger players on the team had way too much to drink, you know, the night before. And they showed up a mess to man the booth and they were just not functional, you know, the next day. And so I remember talking to someone, you know, this was all new for me. I remember talking to someone. He was like, here's my approach. And it was just very sort of very Decronian. And I was like, okay, that's what I'm taking next time. And so I gave this like threatening speech before we went last time about I was going to throw him on a plane and send him home and all that (laughs) stuff. And then I just I really it just wasn't me. Like, yeah, it was him. It just wasn't it wasn't it wasn't me at all. And, And that to me was sort of like kind of a one of those moments where the it was very clear that the sweater didn't feel good hey we're about halfway through the conversation but i wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends the sponsor here of the special series at equity bank have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing it's banking right and not a lot about business it makes sense since most banks were built generations ago and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they've built one of the region's fastest growing banks by working side-by-side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. So what would you do differently now? I mean, if I was the guy that showed up drunk, you know, instead of coming down in that draconian manner, what would you do? Yeah, I mean, I, I would have set the as a sort of here are the standards that I would expect to you, and there yeah, there are consequences rather than kind of focus on on the threat and the downside. You know, right? like to me, that's like we we have it's kind of our our culture, right? We have a high degree of trust, like, and so within that, there's very little tolerance for gray. Because we say, look, like we are, we are giving trust first, right? And, and and so so any like really like really open, we are not. But but when you when you violate that or you get a little bit gray, you will have really done yourself some some harm with people. Well, that that reminds me, it's, it speaks to 
I, I got a lot of mileage when I started kind of doing the same thing, when I started getting more authentic in my style, but but laying out my expectations, which I guess had embedded my core values and principles of what I wanted with this organization or this team. And I can I can't tell you how much that helped having you know, here's my and, I, and from day one and is laid out. These are my expectations, and it, and it's giving you a high degree level of trust, right? I'm expecting you to make this. You know, there were things in there like I'm expecting you to make decisions, you know, asking for forgiveness instead of permission. But you, you know, you, you need to know my intent. If you don't know the intent, I expect you to to drag it out right. of me, you know. And so when things did go south, like the examples you did, you know, where people don't, were not living up to expectations, it was so easy. It was almost like. Right, you just say, this is so far below our standard exactly. that it's not even a discussion, right? Right. This is the difference between values and rule books. If you have rule books, then you get people who, oh well, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, right. This was sort of not the wording of two point two five, right? <laughs> like yeah. it, for me to be like, look, that was not owning it and not embrace relationships. You you, yeah. you didn't do your job. You left your team hanging. Like it's just you know, it, yeah. it's just not even a. It, there's not even a discussion that it was unambiguous, right? Mm-hmm. I, and Adam Grant did a whole study uh, of, in his book, Originals, I love this study, and it was a Friday Forward, on like, what made non-Jews more likely to sort of hide and try to rescue Jewish families during, yeah. the, during the Holocaust? And the answer was that like, the, the parents had taught those kids a set of values, not rules that they were easily able to extrapolate to that situation and say, this is clearly what I should do. Like they had been raised under very strong, like, like here, you know, here's what the holistic values that just, again, they were transferable. So you just knew what to do in that situation. It wasn't even a question. Well, of course we would help people that are being persecuted. Just thought it was an interesting, you know, point on that. Well, it goes to the point as as you're, what I love about this, part of the conversation is that the principles you're absolutely right and you look at organizations who are they think that rules are going to set the behavior and define the culture oh, and you and, just need more rules <laughs> right and yeah but principles inspire right i mean principles are aspirational they hold you people can also take hands. three or four real core values that are real not the crap that you paint on the wall and right. you can those can make the combination of those can make hundreds of rules, right? So, so sure. Gary Ridge, incredible CEO, friend of mine, CEO of WD40. They've won all these cultural awards. He's 10X the company. He says pretty openly, and we feel the same way, anyone who makes a decision out of one, under one or more of their company's core values is always safe. Like, who else feels like they could actually say that under their yeah. <laughs> company or, or personal core values? And look, this comes full circle to the discussion we started at, whereas like, you know, moving from values to, to just you know, issues, issues like yeah. issues are like rules, right? right? I mean, that, right. the difference between like, a, like a spe- you know, saying, look, let's debate this rule versus like, no, 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 no. this principle crushes this <laughs> rule or issue by a fact, but it's, it's way above it, right? Yeah. Well, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to a couple of examples too that I remember. It, it's it's almost like people were taught from from a political culture and the media culture you know, about facts are our friends and the lawyer up and everything else. And everybody's always lawyering up. And, and I think back to critical situations where I had with personnel and leadership challenges that I've had and, and people come to the office and they're lawyered up. And I'm like, I, it, look, I, I hear what you're saying, but the unfortunate reality that perception is reality and you're violating and the perception is you violated this principle. It doesn't really matter what the facts are at that point. Right. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's like, it's, that's where those values and those principles 
are so powerful because if you can always point back to them, I mean, it's like taking right. if you, but you had to reinforce it. So if you said, right. "Look, you can challenge this and whatever," but it it, it just failed the it, right. Print, it just failed at so many levels that the procedural issue isn't the issue, you know. I, but but right. that's the thing. If you if you if you get people focused on the rule book, they will always find a loophole. Right. Um, you know, it, I'm not not not, and I'm not super religious by any means. But again, I think if you just have this higher principle, it is much harder to talk your way out of a loophole. Like, again, our core values, just own it. There's so many situations where just like, you know, Richard, that is not owning it. Like, just not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not, right. not, we're not, we're not doing a rule book of how should you have responded in that case or whatever. Otherwise, it's just, <laughs> it's just not. And it's clear to everyone. And like, you know, if this is the fifth time we're talking about it, then we've got a real problem. It sparked, it's, it's making me think about when you look at the the kind of dysfunctional political spectrum we're looking at now. And I think that that goes to the problem. I mean, you look back at someone like all the advances that we've made in the United States and you take it someone like a Frederick Douglass and how did he advance his cause is that he always went back to the principles. You know, he, he held, he held up the bill of rights and he held up the constitution. He said, Hey, this is what you, you created this. Yeah. Explain to me again how I don't fit into this. And he put it on them. And it's it's hard to argue against those principles. But when you go down to identity politics or, or, you know, the legalese of it or rules or this or that, and you try to put in, I think that's where people get separated, right? I mean, you can't, you look at any advancement we've made in this country, it's because people went back to the principles. If, If you start focusing on, again, identity politics, then, which are kind of like rules. Right. They're not really. Well, look, uh, we heard a lot about the Constitution and the Constitution in 2016. And, you know, we're not we're not hearing that right now Mm -hmm. as (laughs) there are a lot of core constitutional challenges. (laughs) So it's interesting. Here's a quote that 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 I heard this week that I just think, like, this encapsulates what we're talking about in a in a heartbeat by David Brooks, who's, who's a guy I really respect. Once politics becomes your ethnic or moral identity, it becomes impossible to compromise because compromise becomes dishonor. Yeah, that's great. That's so true. That does encapsulate everything. That's so yeah. true. Yeah. It just, right. You're, you're wanting to express your actual opinion. Your true sort of North is, 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 is treasonous. <laughs> you know, right. I, I, right. Yeah. That's like, that's like you said, like I, I refuse to be put into a bucket. Like I have a set of beliefs that are all over the place. Like that You're are right. this, that, 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 like it doesn't fit into a bucket. I don't want it to fit into a bucket. Like, so yeah. Well, I think there's more of a, I, I agree with you. And I've had, there's a handful of friends here locally that we get together, other guys. And we were talking about this thing and how we just don't feel like, we don't have a, a home anywhere on that, on the political spectrum. Right? I talk to so many people who feel that way. Like the middle is not a party. <laughs> <laughs> no, <Yeah. laughs> it's yeah, right. It's not. it's not. But if it was, I'd probably be the largest. It would probably would. I mean, yeah. every, how many times everybody says, well, I, I got to pick between the lesser of two evils. I mean, that's what everybody always says, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm a, maybe it's maybe politics. I was talking to Victor Davis Hanson. We were talking about that, and he thinks there will be this kind of renaissance at some point, or some some transformative figure will enter politics at some point. He just doesn't know when. 
but he thinks there's going to be a lot of pain and suffering before we get to that point. Like something, like something on the kin of a World War II or Great Depression has to happen where it kind of not, it humbles everybody. Is kind of what he was thinking. Yeah, or just you have another party that people have to come to. I mean, look, look at what happens in our two-party system. So you know, even the candidates they run to the side, you know, mm-hmm. to get out of their primary, and then they move to the center, <laughs> so they can't they can't even be consistent with <laughs> with you know with who they are in order to follow that progression i think if anyone starts in the center then they don't get to the they lose in the semifinals right right well and and you you look at someone like on the republican side you look at someone like go mccain rom romney mccain romney yeah bob Dole. romney would have won 80 percent of the votes in probably this election he's probably kicking himself that he picked <laughs> right. the wrong race <laughs> right but i guess too is like I, I don't know i don't know if trump has changed the the landscape so much like I don't know. I mean, who's going to be able to garner that kind of celebrity on that Republican side? And is that what, what the, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. He's just, he was just such a weird figure. I don't know. Yeah. How look, it, look, the, the, it'll be very interesting to see if this wraps up, whether, whether Trump and Trumpism is the Republican party for the next four years, or is that, this is over, right? I think right now you're seeing this weird period where you have these Senate races and everyone's positioning because those are really important. But they're so they're not they're not laying down their cards as yeah. to where you know where on the line they are. Um, it's but it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. I well, mean, Trump was a Democrat. I know. Like, it, <laughs> you know, it, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating that you know. Uh, again, I think it, his celebrity probably had a lot to do with it. I mean, because everybody knew who yeah. he was. I mean, I think there's this there's yeah. this a celebrity around it, but I don't know. I'm, yeah, look, this, this, and this is not, and again, if people want to take it this way, it's fine. It's not a political statement, but this proceeds, he does not tell the truth. Like, and, right. and if, I, I, look, if anyone wants to argue with me on that, like, I'll argue on that. Like, he's just, <laughs> he has a very causal relationship with the truth. A lot of people say that doesn't matter. They don't care, and that's fine. That That's, that's their opinion, but but it's hard to deny that that reality that most of what his he says is not factually true. Yeah. Well, anyway, I didn't mean to talk too much politics. And Stan, I it's, about you know, it's not, it's not, it's not. Yeah, it's too too much politics. But again, <laughs> it goes back to, to to leadership. I don't know. I I I think I we prefer. I would hate to make this generalization. I think per, people generally prefer leaders that tell them the truth. I, what was yeah. interesting was that the exit polling showed to, to this point that most people thought that I think overwhelmingly that Biden had was more trustworthy or character, but overwhelmingly that Trump was the better leader. So those were they were actually uh, opposite. Like just again, irrespective of politics, that's just an interest. That this is an interesting yeah. observation. Well, I just I remember in '88 when that was the first election I voted in. I mean, and Biden was kind of a laughing stock. I mean, talk about integrity and telling the truth. I mean, that's why he was ran yeah. out of the primary because he plagiarized and lied. You know, he's got a history of pathological lies, and so right. it's just interesting to me how. I mean, uh, hopefully somewhere, somewhere you'd have you'd have both. Someone's a good leader and and like, <laughs> and, and, and and high character, right? So, um, but yeah, I I I. I I agree with you. I think things tend to need to bottom out before before they change. But um, yeah, and just even like state by state, governor by governor, you know, are, are we should, you know, 
governors are leaders. They are right. leaders of states, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, they should be held to the same standards that we, you know, some people were trying to bite back on something I said early on about the responses, like, you know, these poor, like, like, like they were pushed into this position and don't get paid. No, I'm like, no, you run for a position of leadership. You can't take the wins and avoid the losses. Like (laughs) that doesn't, that doesn't work really well. I think this is, you know, accountability is lacking in so, so many aspects, like real true accountability. And it was refreshing. Like, I don't know who that guy is running that uh, military guy, 60 minutes running the, kind of task force for the logistics dist- distribution of the vaccine of the vaccine yeah and i forget his name i was just kind of watching it in passing but it caught my eye because they were saying the reporter said well what happens if you know you don't get it in time or in and the guy just without a blink he said well it's on me it's all on me you know like you just the, don't hear you don't that. hear that you just don't hear that anymore people want the accolade and they don't want the responsibility they right. don't it is it is totally one-sided and i just like i love that they said that i vote for that guy like i don't care what party yeah. he's in like i just you just don't hear that anymore you don't. like the buck stops here he goes that's me he goes and if and if it fails you know it's the whole window mirror theory right and i read it they talk about it and i think it was the oh i forget the costco ceo that was highlighted in collins's book good to great years ago and i forgot his name this the costco ceo i don't think he still is but anyway he had that window mirror theory he says you know if we're successful yeah, it's I'm looking out the window <laughs> at them, and if we fail, I'm looking in the mirror because of me, right? I think that's just but, a what, what's the quote. There's something like success has a thousand fathers and failure is an orphan. That's <laughs> <laughs> the other one too. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, but I like that he says that in advance. Like that is this is where the politics stuff has just obfuscated good leaders. Like anyone who's been in the military or been in leadership mm-hmm. training or been in corporate leadership training or understands what true leadership is, like. No one would disagree with those principles. What I find is fascinating is I, I, I wrote this in a Friday forward. Like I wrote like, you know, here are the 10 of all the things I've kept notes over the last year. Here are the 10 universal principles of great leaders that I have heard. There was no disagreement with those principles. Right. But then I, 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 if you then went into the, are these being applied? I think you'd have a ton of, of argument, but in the abstract, everyone agreed before they then put on their, their goggles, right? right, right. And like that—that's the problem. Like those; those have to be universal principles. Like we listed off some of them. Like I, I, I could go back to the list, but it was—you know—they can rally people around them. They're mm-hmm. humble. You know, they accept feedback. They're strategic. Like all of these things. Like the, the, these are—they're not subjective. They're sort of universal traits of leadership. And again, the one you just said, which is the really best leaders take credit and. Uh, don't take, you know, no, no, defer credit and, and and take blame. In fact, there's a famous story, the the Normandy story of the, you know, the pre, uh, when they stormed Normandy, there were two letters, right? Mm-hmm, right. The, the, we've had this great victory or everyone's died and, and that right. decision was on me. Like, he, he understood that both of those were true. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, it is. It is a remarkable aspect of leadership, probably, you know, the, the whole fully understanding what the power of accountability, right? Yeah. I mean, even the simple example I gave, like in the Marine Corps, where, you know, I flew KC 130s, a multi career aircraft, and everybody had a functional leadership responsibility in that crew. I had a navigator. I didn't know how to do half. I knew what he did and how he did it, or the loadmaster. I knew how he did it. But I, yeah. But, and this happened to me, a loadmaster, while we were, while I was in the briefing planning and he was loading the plane, he put a hole in the side of the plane with his forklift. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm accountable. That's, never, that's, not, that's no. never good. I'm accountable. He messed up. He failed in his functional leadership responsibility, but I'm accountable for that hole. I'm accountable that we had to scrub the mission because of that, right? Because I signed the paper for that aircraft and that whole crew. It's just and, so and, refreshing. And a lot of people don't understand that, right? They, and right. that's what and I that is that is That is a principle that's really taught in the military. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. I had to find out the bottom line, why, why did it happen? And like in that that case, you know, his mind was elsewhere because he had a, a he went on drugs or anything like that. Now, if he would have done something unethical, illegal, or moral, right, it's kind right. of on him. But he made an honest mistake, and then when I started digging, and he he got in a fight with his wife the night before, and oh, he didn't get much sleep, and his wife was threatening to divorce him, and so he wasn't there. And then I started playing back, like in the briefing. Like I remember, I remember as I played the tape back in my head, there were like three instances where I was like, something ain't right with him. You know, I should have, you know what I mean? It's like my intuition said, he's not, is he paying attention? Is he not here? You know what I mean? So could I have stopped it? Possibly. You know what I mean? If I would have said, hey, what's going on with you? Or what's, you know, are you okay? You know, just a simple thing like that, right? And if I would have listened to Right. I love, you're talking right out of that book, Extreme Ownership, which I loved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great book, right? Where he said, look, it's just always your responsibility. If, if you just look at the world from it's always your uh, responsibility, it's 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 a lot easier, right? Then you're not parsing it. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. But it's hard, right? It's hard yeah. when when money's at stake or your job or your reputation's yeah. at stake and and the heat's on, it's easy to throw people under the bus. I've done it inadvertently or out of, out of weakness. I've done it myself, you know? But and look, this is what we need to understand. And and this was the story I sort of looked at this whole Dr. Death podcast, right? So everyone along the value chain who enabled this guy because they were afraid of speaking up in the surgery room. They were afraid of admitting they hired him without doing the background check. They were afraid of him suing. Their, like all around the avoidance of pain, mm-hmm. the inevitable pain was much worse. When the hospital <laughs> shut down, the whole leadership team got laid off. Now you're hearing these people who were giving you know, board certified surgeons who were giving him references, knowing that he had botched all these surgeries because they just didn't want to like, you know, rough the boat. Like, do you think anyone's going to hire those people ever again? So now you're talking about, you know, putting your job at risk to putting your whole career at risk. So I'm not saying it always works this way. Like there's some people have blown the whistle and it's ruined their life. But in general, I actually feel like it comes the other way around as history sort of looks back on you you know, the the pain of not not doing the right thing in the short run seems to be less than the consequences of that in the long run. Well, it goes back to that whole, you know, that's why leadership is hard because it takes a tremendous amount of awareness all the time and intentionality, you know? Yeah. And you get, you don't, and you don't always get it right. No. Oh my God. No. Most of the time you don't, but that's how you, and how you how you respond when it doesn't go right? That's what makes the great leaders, right? The response to the major screw ups. Or the- yeah, you need to. We need we we have lost the ability very clearly based on the last two elections. We have lost the ability to win well and lose well. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! And that's both sides. Yeah, both sides for sure. I love this conversation, man. I'm looking at forty minutes in. I, I want to make sure that people able to get in touch with you learn about your stuff i mean the book elevate that's how i come got to know you last year huge fan of your stuff your friday forward 
stuff is good, which is what your new book is, right? A lot of your Friday yeah. Forward stories, which which yeah, I have a book. I have a book coming out uh, in Q one. It's an expanded version of your book on uh, on how to make uh, how to thrive in the virtual world. Um, it's sort of geared towards. We've been fully remote for thirteen years, so what what does it look like for employees? to be remote and what's going to have to change for organizations that want to embrace this model. We are not in the normal remote work model right now. Like it's not, this is, I I think whether you want to do it or don't do it, there's a lot of implications that you need to think about. Yeah. How do you, how how are you thinking uh, 2021 is going to be looking with the news of the vaccine? Uh, Are you confident about the economy. I, I, I think the next four months are going to be pretty horrible uh, from everything I've read. And, and mm-hmm. you know, but but the spikes then, inev- you know, they actually they become self-serving. Everyone gets scared. They get immune. They hide. It starts to get better. I, my guess is we'll have a vaccine, you know, that's actually being distributed in Q1. Uh, and, and I think that will at least coming into the spring when people are outside. I mean, I'm hoping that that puts us on a on a plan to to whatever the new normal is. Um, but I, I I think it's probably a year away until, you know, it, it, you're looking around and things look like they used to be in January, 2020. Yeah. I think you're about right on that. And of course for me with, I'm, I'm just trying to get people to start flying again and Europe opened up so I can. It's weird. It seems like despite everything that's going on, people are flying more. It seems like, you know, a controlled environment like that seems to have a lot less, What's driving the epidemic right now is like small dinner parties and stuff. You're absolutely right. Like, yeah. You know, it's amazing. I don't know the exact numbers on the flight attendants, but I know it's just for. um, Yeah, that would be a very easy way to know, right? They're they're most exposure out of anyone. These people aren't getting sick on the on the planes. Yeah. And and there's not a lot of pilots that have got it, and not a lot of flight attendants. And and when they do get it, they can't necessarily attribute it to being at work well, even but- the kids in school we found i don't think i haven't heard about a lot of teacher like you know they're, mm-hmm. they're in school and they're in these controlled classrooms and the mask and then they go home and the parents have a play date with 10 people so it's, <laughs> right. very, it's yeah. very hard to isolate like again that goes just this leadership of like taking a little bit of pain to avoid more pain yeah. because then what happens when you have a couple of these things is the school shuts down for two weeks. And now everyone's all despondent. And you're like, well, if you wanted the school to stay open, then you shouldn't have had the 20 kids over to your house serving them alcohol. Like, <laughs> right. It just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about the podcast, the Elevate podcast. Great, great show. Uh, how's that going? Good. Yeah. I interview a lot of people that I talk about on Friday Ford and in, in the book. So yeah, if people go to robertglazer.com, you can find, you can sign up for Friday Ford, find the books, learn about the podcast. It's kind of all, all in one place. I have links to all of this, man. You're one of the good ones and I've been wanting to have on for a long time and, and I'm so glad I got to finally meet you and get to know you. Hopefully we can stay in touch, but uh, man, I'm, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank fun, you. I uh, hope, hope we can do it again one day. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dosa Leadership brings to your world. Go to dosaleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concepts of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 